You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Well, welcome or welcome back to the Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast. I am Lydia Miller, back finally with Pastor Jeff. Good to have you back. It's good to be good back. To have, I will say we had some special guests on the podcast while you were away. Some great people. They were more agreeable than you are. They were a little easier to interview. And, yeah, we'll get ready. And, and the whole process, I don't know, I'm I kind back. of enjoyed it more. Uh, but we are jumping back into a series that we were in um, a little bit before you left where we were taking a look at what does the Bible say about So we answered some different subjects about what does the Bible say about certain theological things? What does the Bible say about relationships? What does the Bible say about sex? Which was my least favorite episode we've ever recorded. Um, And today we are going to jump back into that and answer a question that is on any really like theological debate that you would find. This seems to be kind of a hot button issue that people talk about that I maybe selfishly have pushed to the back because it's a little weird for me to sit here and talk about it. But today we're talking about what does the Bible say about women in ministry? And I'm hoping you're okay with it as I sit here next to you. I'm not. I guess you're out of a job. (laughs) Perfect. Good. So what would you say as we kind of take a look at this subject, as we take a look at women in ministry, why do you feel as though this is an important one for us to kind of sit down and talk about? Yeah, I think it's a good one to talk about. And again, I want to make this conversational in nature, but recognize this is one of the issues facing society right now. Uh, Can women be elders? Can they be pastors? Can they work in that fashion? Saddlebrack is actually going through this right now of being pushed out of the Southern Baptist Church because of their position. So Certainly, we want to take a look at what Scripture has to say. We've been walking through that in this entire series together. This is just another hot topic, I think, that's out there in society today that we want to deal with. But I think one of the reasons we're dealing with it here at Sunnybrook Community Church is not because our position has changed. This has actually been our position long before I was here. So I came in 2002. Uh, There were women in leadership, women elders, women teaching. Uh, here at this church long before I arrived. In fact, it was one of the things I had to go through in order to understand to be able to be the pastor here. But now it's coming off the page a little bit more. Obviously, you're teaching more, Laurie's teaching more, Amanda has taught. So even though we haven't changed our position in one iota, now all of a sudden it becomes a little bit more in front of the people. So it just seems to make sense that we'd talk through this issue. Yep. Now it's not one that Sunnybrook has changed their position on, but if you're being totally honest with me and the group that has gathered, you have changed your position on it a while ago. I have. Before coming to this church, I had to deal with it. Uh, You know, I was born and raised in very conservative, biblical, theological areas. So I kind of grew up with this idea that Women were allowed to be in ministry, but they weren't pastors, they weren't elders. That was a a role reserved only uh, to men. And and certainly there's some people that are going to hold that position, and I recognize that. Some of them come here to Sunnybrook Church. But I made a decision as I came to this church that I'd really study the evidence because I recognized I was walking now into a church that held this position. And in all honesty, it seemed to me often from the other side of things that Usually more liberal churches kind of were open to this issue. But boy, if you believe the Bible, 
you wouldn't hold it. But the more I began to study scripture in its context and all of that, take a look especially at some of the key scriptures and we'll talk about those in a moment. But I began to recognize that what scripture had to say on these things was not as cut and dry as what I thought. And so we kind of made a decision together that actually looking at these scriptures, I think it was very much open to male and female being in leadership, having equal gifts in those areas, called by God in those areas, and, and certainly having, as you do, gifts of communication that want to communicate the Word of God. And so uh, I changed my position from where I started to where I am now. And it was a process and it was a working, I think, of the Holy Spirit, but uh, I'm very comfortable now with where we're at. Before we get into kind of the details of that and unpack some of that scripture and what that is, I think it's important because I know people can feel really strongly about this. I have some people that come up to me after I speak every time and say, what's it called when you're up there? Because it's not preaching or you did a good job, but you know, I don't think that you should be up there. It's important to delineate that we, we kind of define things as an essential of the faith and a non-essential of the faith, and this would be considered a non-essential. Yeah, and that's critical, I think, that we delineate between the two. Again, essentials of the faith of this. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ and Him alone. An essential is the Bible is the Word of God. You know, we have eight essentials that we hold to together. This is what I'd call a non-essential of the faith, meaning you study Scripture and come down where you will on this issue. We do it with baptism. Some people strongly believe in infant baptism. Some people think that's heretical and it should only be believer baptism. End times position, what millennial position you hold. Some are going to be amillennial, some are going to be premillennial, some are going to be everything in between. And we say, listen, those are non-essentials of the faith, meaning... We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We share the essentials together. We believe salvation comes through Christ alone. You read scripture, come down where you will on this issue. I think this issue of sort of women in ministry is one of the non-essential of faith, meaning if you believe differently than what we're about to espouse together, that's fine. We love you. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You can come to this church. You can be involved in ministry of this church. Uh, we have elders at points in times that serve, that hold a different position. It's okay. It's a non-essential of the faith. So no matter whether you agree or disagree today, no, uh, we love you. We're together in ministry and what God's called us to in this church. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned earlier this, this position or this idea comes kind of from that more conservative, traditional teaching. There are probably some people listening right now where this is kind of a brand new thought for them, that they never yes. had really considered that women shouldn't be allowed in ministry. It feels like a thing of the past. So when people come to this conclusion, can you just point us to it? Where, are they, where are they getting this from and just kind of briefly talk about where we first find it? Yeah, I would say there's two key scriptures on this that people often refer to. One is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where the Apostle Paul says women should remain silent in the church. So that's probably the first passage that has to be dealt with. The second one comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2 about verses 8 through 15 there and it says, listen, I do not permit women to teach or have authority over a man. So the first one kind of gives this idea of women need to be silent in the church, but the second one is one that people will really stand on. Hey, listen, the Word of God says that women are not permitted to have authority over a man mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. the, the issue's over. So those are the two passages ultimately that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the first things I learned when studying Scripture is this statement that feels a little extreme when you first hear it, but it's never read a Bible verse. 
and kind of the idea of you always have to take something that you read in scripture in kind of its bigger context. But you also want to make sure that you're not arguing, well, it's cultural, well, it's this, well, it's that. So if you look at the totality of the issue, where would you start? I mean, if you hear those things from Paul and those feel like extreme, pretty cemented statements, where do you kind of begin your thinking? Yeah, I I would begin way back in creation, but I I just want to reiterate what you said. I I think it's critical that you always take a look at a verse in light of the context. Mm -hmm. But then I think when it comes to issues, you want to take the totality of scripture and you want to push it toward that issue. It's what we do in systematic theology. Mm -hmm. Uh, We recognize the Bible doesn't just kind of deal with God and Jesus. So we literally take who is God this trinity and we take all of scripture and we put it toward that we do the same with jesus or holy spirit or those kinds of things we take a totality of scripture certainly want to do it on this issue but i think it starts with creation Uh, again i think a long time ago god when he formed mankind fashioned male and female in his image and both of them were equally you know, committed to the very image of God and this idea that they were called by God to rule over creation, both man and woman. And certainly, I think, as he made them, they were together to kind of take over the world, subdue the world, uh, watch over everything that was taking place. And when they fell, they fell together. You know, we often want to push that on the woman, but (laughs) the, the truth of the matter is they were both equally guilty before God. Both of them recognized they're naked. Both of them recognized the results of sin. So, In that original creation, uh, male and female were equal in the image of God and what God had called them to do to have dominion over the world, all of those kinds of things. When the fall comes, Mm -hmm. then everything begins to change. Um, Remember that portion of scripture where, uh, you know, part of the curse is, hey, listen, there is this desire of woman to Mm -hmm. sort of push her way and and, and then man is going to rule over her. That comes as a result of the fall. So we often think this order that's been created Mm -hmm. was an original order of male headship. It really wasn't. It came as a result of the fall. Hmm. And I would say too, kind of in context of that, if you jump a little bit closer, I mean, really you you have to look at the life of Jesus. I mean, nobody set a better example for affirming women in ministry really than Jesus did. Yeah. We laughed about this last night because we were talking about this topic as a family together. But, you know, the boys go, yeah, Jesus is probably a good example to follow. I'm like, yeah, exactly. But, but here's the truth. I mean, nobody gave more value or dignity that, to women than what Jesus did. And, and certainly he taught women. Most rabbis in that day and age, Jesus being a rabbi, uh, having a following behind him, most rabbis did not teach women. Jesus did. Uh, You're going to recognize about Luke chapter 8, verse 13, uh, women were part of the band of the disciples of Jesus, so so they kind of traveled with him, did things with him. Women were there in the crucifixion. Women were there uh, when the cross gathered together. They were there at the resurrection. They were there the entire time in ministry of Jesus. I even note this in John chapter 4. Do you remember the Samaritan woman when she comes to Christ she actually becomes the first evangelist. Jesus actually calls her to go back to his town and share Christ, be sort of the preacher of good news in her town. So you're going to see it all throughout the ministry and the life of Jesus, that he treated women with incredible dignity, incredible respect. He elevated them. He used them in ministry. So 
Jesus is certainly the model for us. We also see those that Jesus taught kind of working in this fashion. When you look at the early church, the positions that women were given in the early church as well. Yes, he, he often elevated them. Many people would say, hey, listen, disciples were Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, uh, Joanna, Susanna, Solomon. There's all kinds of different names that were given that actually women were pupils, learners, disciples, followers of Jesus as well, and he elevated them to positions of leadership. All right, so then now that we've set that foundation, we, all, we can't take out parts of Scripture. Paul still said right. what he said, so let's go back to those. If, and take a look at kind of those key scriptures that people really use. And now that we've decided context is an important piece, give those a little bit more context. Yeah, if I could give a little background to Paul and to the early church, I, I would recognize uh, women were a part of the leadership in the first church, the church in Jerusalem. Uh, when the 120 disciples gather together there in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes, women are there. So this prophecy by Joel that takes place with women as well. Priscilla and Aquila actually taught Apollos. They were sort of the, the teachers of him, and Priscilla is listed first. She's a woman, but yet she fed into him. And I think the key scripture, the one that we haven't talked about yet, comes from Galatians chapter 3, where Paul says, listen, in Christ, there's not slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female, we're all one. So there's a oneness in Christ. So now let's deal with those two passages. The first one comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And Paul says, listen, I want women to remain silent. And then he says this later on in verse 35. He says, and to ask their husbands at home. So my opinion, having looked at the context of that scripture, Paul has just said women should participate in public prayer. And they've been given the authority of prophecy. Mm. Big deal. Mm -hmm. In the church, they're to pray publicly. And in the church, they're given the authority of prophecy. And then all of a sudden, now he says, women should remain silent. You go, wait a minute, you just told them they could pray out loud, and you just told them they, they had the authority of prophecy, and now they remain silent. I think Paul is actually addressing a very specific situation here. Obviously, there was some sort of disruption that was going on. Most scholars would say at this day and age, women were not educated. We see this even in third world countries today, where, where men are given the opportunity of education and women were not. They, they weren't in the day and age of Jesus. So they didn't fully understand things. So they were constantly interrupting during church meetings. They were sort of saying to their husbands, I don't understand this. Women, that doesn't sound like us. Yeah. I feel like as I interrupt you to say that, that, that does not. No comment <laughs> on that. But it's one of the reasons I think this was very specific, very limited by Paul. He was actually addressing a problem, sort of a problem that was going on in that church, in the church in Corinth in that day and age. Because pretty quickly he's going to say in verse 35, ask your husbands at home. In other words, listen, stop interrupting the meeting with these questions when you could easily do that at home. So. I don't think he's giving this blanket silence. I think he's addressing a specific problem they had in the church in Corinth. Because Paul also is the one that gives prophecy kind of the greatest authority in terms of gifts. The greatest thing you can do he, is prophesy. He, he said in 1 Corinthians 14, listen, I, I tell you right now, you, you guys think tongues is the greatest gift, the greatest gift of prophecy. So he gives that uh, to women. The second passage, and this is probably the most difficult one, is, comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2. It's about verses 8 and following. And he just says, listen, I don't permit women to teach or to have authority over a man. And again, I just want you to know if that's a blanket statement that women are not permitted to teach or to have authority over a man, then we have to treat it as such. Meaning, 
A woman should never teach at seminary. A woman should never write a book that a man's going to learn from. A woman should never teach on the mission field. You know how we mm. sometimes, well, they can teach on the mission field. Well, they can write books. They can teach yep. the So if that's a blanket statement, then we should follow through on it. But the word have authority that Paul translates here is rarely used in the Greek language. In fact, whenever it's used, it's used in a very negative context. So most scholars would say he's actually addressing an abuse that is going on again that it wasn't appropriate teaching, that it wasn't appropriate authority. Not that women can't teach, not that women can't have authority, but they need to do so in a proper and an appropriate manner. So I think he's addressing an abuse. I don't think, again, he's making a blanket statement. I think he's addressing what was going on in the church in that day and age. But again, I would say this, because I want to reiterate this. There's got to be balance and consistency. You can't take one verse of Scripture and make your theology on that. You have to take the totality of Scripture, looking as to creation, not trying to get back to the fall, but get back to the original creation. You've got to take a look at Jesus and what he did. You've got to take a look at the Apostle Paul. You've got to take the totality of Scripture and you've got to apply it to this situation. And again, the elders at Sunnybrook have been uh, talking about this issue, praying about it, studying scripture, because we said, listen, we haven't changed our position. Mm -hmm. But now that it's become more in the forefront of our church with Lydia teaching more, Laurie teaching more, Amanda teaching some, we want to know and to be able to defend why we have the position that we have. So mm -hmm. we've spent the past year or so looking at scripture, praying together, and really reaffirming the position that was here long before I started in 2002. But we're saying together, now we believe this is consistent with Scripture. It's not just the latest, greatest thing to do. We, we believe that there's biblical roots as to why we're doing what mm -hmm. we're doing. Mm -hmm. I've heard it said a lot, and this is a situation it feels like it rings really true, is that the uh, Bible was written for you, not to you. Very good point. And that you, you have to look at exactly who it was technically written to in order to apply it for you. Exactly. Every time you look at scripture, you've got to look at context. And I always say, what was it saying to the original audience? Mm -hmm. And now, 2,000 years later, in light of that, what is the Holy Spirit saying mm -hmm. to us? And yep. so I think we stand on good ground, mm -hmm. though I recognize some are going to disagree with this mm -hmm. position. And I would say to them in love, that's okay. We're still brothers and sisters in Christ. We've still been called to the mission and the vision of this church of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, growing them up in the faith, mm -hmm. and sending them back out into the world. And again, I just want to reiterate, I hold to the truth of Scripture. I'm mm -hmm. pretty conservative, mm -hmm. biblically speaking, uh, but this issue for me is one that I've made some strides on and I really still think clings to the truth of the Word of God. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us again today, Pastor Jeff. It was good to chat with you uh, on this issue. We'll be back again uh, next week with some more hot topics in terms of theology, so make sure you join us. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.